body. But your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which has been set forth to do. I declare that in this place today in Jesus' mighty name. And I do ask that you would anoint me, Lord, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do. Let me preach like a man from another world. Let the word of God be like fire shut up in my bones here today. God, we just thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. Turn around to two or three people, shake their hand, fist bump them, at least smile at them and say, it's good to see you at Starkville Church of God this morning. Well, I'm not going to re-preach this because you can go back and listen to it on podcasts. I'm going to hit the high spots and we're going to move on to where we are today. But I talked to you about, we got through three points, I believe, last week. We talked about, first of all, that Jabez called on the God of Israel. The second thing that we looked at is when he said that you would bless me indeed. And we finished last week with that you would enlarge my territory. And so we want to pick up fourthly this week on this part of, of these two verses that we're looking at in these two weeks, and that is number four, that your hand would be with me. Once God expands your influence beyond your abilities, you realize you need him more than ever. I'm telling you that this will happen to your life. When God answers the first part of that prayer, he is, you are quickly going to realize you need this next part. You see, Jabez did not pray this at first because living in mediocrity, we are usually able to handle things on our own. When we're living on cruise control, when we're kind of in that mediocre place that we've always been, we've got everything figured out. There's nothing that we can't really handle on our own. We know how to handle this. We know how to handle that. We're, we got everything under control when we're living in mediocrity. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you something I know I've never spoken from the pulpit before. I think back to the summer of 2018, and as we were there in our, our last, I knew the transition was coming. We were there at Loosedale and was still serving on the youth board and and, and Dwayne, who was the youth director at the time, I believe he's preached to Dwayne Moore. Anybody remember Dwayne? He preached here several times, and he had given me one of the easiest jobs that there is on the youth board, and we were still over at Tiakata. and honestly, I did, I did more reading than I did anything uh, those few weeks of camp. I can remember sitting there in the cabin and looking out on the little, the, not the big part of the lake, but over there, and, and sitting there and reading and thinking, man, that's, everything's under control. There was no problems at the church. I had been there for almost eight years. I had everything. There was nothing that really needed a lot of attention. We worked out all of the kinks. We had everything was just nice and easy and neat. You know, I didn't really have to just call out to God because everything was just going smooth. Come on, anybody ever been there before? You know, you've been at that place. Everything's going smooth. There ain't, there's no surprises. You got everything set up like you wanted. Everything's going nice and easy. And you just own cruise control. But here's what happens when we seek God for more and we pray like Jabez did and we say, oh God, that you would enlarge 
my territory. When we seek for more, things begin to get stirred up, and we face stuff that is much bigger than things that we have ever faced before. And listen, when we ask God for more and he gives it to us, it doesn't take long for us to call out to God that his hand would be with us. You see, I can take you to the end of that story. I went from sitting there at Lake Tiakata reading and having an easy position and knowing that everything back home was pretty much taken care of and nothing. But by the end of that year, in November of 2018, I find myself pastoring a much larger church than I ever had before. I find myself with three full-time pastoral staff members, not to mention all the other staff members, and suddenly I'm sitting and I've prayed this prayer, oh Lord, enlarge my territory, and I find myself in a place with more responsibility. I find myself in a place with, with more moving parts, and suddenly I find myself at the place like Jabez did. Oh God, you gave me this first part, and now I need your hand to be on me. I'm warning somebody here today, and I'm telling you, you keep praying for that raise. You keep praying for that promotion. You keep praying for God to move you. As Brother Eric already alluded to, you know, you've served good in Sunday school or you've served good at this part of your job and you're asking God for promotion and you're asking God to move you forward and all of those things. I'm here to tell you that God will do that, that the Lord will answer your prayer, and he will put you there. But let me give you this warning that when he does do that many times, even though that you feel like you're ready for it, and you've trained, and you've read, and you've done everything you can, many times when you find yourself in this place that God has given you, excuse me, you will find, oh God, I don't know if I was as ready for this as I thought I was. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been promoted before and put in a position? You're like, dear God, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. So when we ask God for more and he gives it to us, we'll find ourselves saying, Lord, I need your hand to be on me. You could call God's hand on you the touch of greatness. Not because you become great, but you become dependent on the strong hand of God. You know, I finished up last week with that little statement that it, re that it requires us believing again that God wants to work through us and not just in association with us. You see, I want the great hand of God. I want his strong hand. I want that touch of greatness upon my life and everything I do as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. I want the touch of greatness. And that's not saying that Dennis Laughlin is ever going to be great, but it is saying that God called me to be, as I said last week, his conduit. He called me to be that one that would be the conduit of his love and his grace and bring him into people's lives. So what we need is we need the touch of greatness on our lives. I'm telling you, when God gives you that promotion, when God puts you in that place, when God gives you what you have asked for, you're going to need the touch of greatness. The hand of the Lord is a biblical term for God's power and presence in the lives of his people. Many times throughout Scripture, I can't give you all of them, but I'm going to give you three of them. In Joshua chapter 4 and verse 24, 
The Bible said that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. We find it again in the book of Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. And then in the book of Acts chapter 11 and verse 21 we find it says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. You know, really a more specific New Testament description that we could give the hand of the Lord and the touch of greatness might be that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe, folks, that we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I truly believe we need Him more now today than we did 30 years ago. I truly believe we need Him now than we did 100 years ago when this church first began. We are in need of the hand of Almighty God to be on us as a church that is power, that is hand, that his presence would be on us. And I'm telling you that as you pray and you say, God, enlarge my territory, enlarge my borders, enlarge my tent, and God gives it to you, that the very next prayer out of your mouth and heart would be, now God, I need your hand on me. I need your presence on me. I need your power upon my life. Amen. Come on, give God praise if you believe it this morning. And this is nowhere in my notes, but you know, it just, you know, we need, that's why I believe that the, the scriptures tell us to pray. In the scripture, it says, pray for the king. We know that means it also says, pray for your governors, pray for those. Dear Lord, we need, we need our mayor. We need the hand of the Lord on our mayor. We need the hand of the Lord on our city council. We need the hand of the Lord on our county board of supervisors. We need the hand of the Lord on our governor, Tate Reeves. We need the hand of the Lord on our president, Joe Biden. We need the hand of the Lord. i got to keep moving. Number five, he says that you would keep me from evil. I'm probably not going to get a lot of amens on this section. I, I realize that. So I'm just ready to hunker down in this and go. So y'all hold on with me. How many people have been blessed by God only to fall into a trap and fall away from him? I've seen it. I've got a feeling that a lot of you have seen it as well. That people follow the Lord. God blesses them and they find themselves falling into a trap and falling away from God. It's happened to pastors, to preachers. It's happened to laity. The blessings of the Lord on them. And God blesses them. They're hungry for God. They're following God. And the blessings of the Lord come upon them. And suddenly they find themselves falling into the traps of the enemy. And without a doubt, success brings with it greater opportunity for a failure. I'm going to say that one more time. I told you all I knew it was going to be quiet with this one. Without a doubt, success brings with it greater opportunity for failure. Because number one, more people are watching. Listen, the higher you go and the more the Lord blesses, more people are going to be watching you. And you, hold on, you don't, please don't point at nobody. You can't, amen. 
And some of those people that are watching may want you to fail out of jealousy because they think they should have gotten it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The enemy wants you to fail because the more people that are watching, the more opportunity for you to fall and take more people down with you. Now, I'm not even talking about just preachers. I'm talking about all of us here today because I think that most of us in this building today and if somebody's listening to this podcast, there must be some interest to probably proclaim themselves as a Christian. So if we as Christian people pray for the Lord's blessing, pray for the Lord's hand, pray for that expanded territory and God gives it to us, suddenly now, not just the pastor, all of us are representatives of Christ. Come on, most people know, most people know you're a churchgoer. Most people know that. Come on, hit the person beside you, wake them up a little bit and say, hey, everybody knows, everybody knows you're a representative. I'm a representative. And I know, especially for me, and I do believe that there's a, there is a different level of that as a pastor, as a minister, but all of us, we're representatives of Christ. And when God blesses us and God blesses our life and expands our territory and suddenly now people are looking at us and they're watching us and now there comes a responsibility because the enemy is wanting us to fail. Because if the enemy can cause us to fail, then he can get in the minds of all those watching and say, see there, I told you. I told you, God, that, that's just a bunch of hogwash. That's all just a bunch of religious garbage. It's all just, it's a waste of time. Why did you, and, and the enemy wants to take you. Listen to me closely. When God blesses you and God does expand your territory, the enemy will come after you to take you down so that he can, it's not even that he really cares about you and me. It's so that he can embarrass God. You see, Blessedness is the greatest of all perils because it tends to dull our keen sense of dependence on God and makes us prone to presumption. You see, if everything is going wrong, we're open and praying and searching for answers. Come on, anybody ever been there before? Lord knows I have. I have personally and I have as a pastor seeing people go through that. People going through stuff, people got sickness, people got problems, and suddenly, man, they all about the pastor, and they all about the church, and they all about the altars, boo-hooing and crying till everything's better. Oh, man, I told y'all it was going to be quiet. I, mean, I told you I got to just preach anyway. I mean, when it's going bad, it's prayer, it's in the altar, it's crying, it's seeking the face of the Lord. But listen, when, you, when you're walking in the blessing, when everything's going right, when your wife is just loving you and, you, and your kids are just acting like you're the best daddy in the world, and your church members are just meeting you at the door talking about how you're just the greatest preacher ever. <laughs> Come on, somebody, help me out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When you're at work and, and your boss thinks you're the best employee at his company, when those that you're supervising think you're the greatest boss ever. You know, when you're walking in the blessing, when you actually look at your bank account and you got a little bit of money in there, 
Hey, yes. Now, now that's going to get some response. It's at those times where it's just kind of easy to forget about praying as much, ain't it? Well, I got it all together now. I don't think I need to write a book. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> it's time for me to, I got this all figured out. It's time for me to write a book. Suddenly the priority of prayer and calling out to God when you're living in the blessing tends to just kind of seem to fade away if we're not careful. It's when everything's going wrong. It's, it's when your wife seems to hate you and your children are rebelling against you and your church people are fussing about how you ain't preaching worth anything. Or your boss is saying you're the sorriest employee they got. It's at those times where suddenly prayer, it's easy for prayer to become a priority. I've seen it. Little Bobby, you know, little Jamie. They're sick. Oh, pastor, we got to pray. They're in the altars. They're praying. They're calling out to God. Six months later, after they're better and God's done a miracle, suddenly it's like, I missed you at church the past three weeks. Oh, come on now. Y'all, y'all, I, I knew it was going. I got I to keep on. I got to keep on. Blessedness is the greatest of perils because it tends to dull our keen sense of dependence on God and makes us prone to presumption. There is a danger of living in the blessing of the Lord. Read this book and you find out that when Israel, as soon as they got settled in the promised land and everything was going good and there was no enemies, it was most of the time it was that point where they'd start worshiping idols and get away from the Lord. Most of us face too many temptations. I thought y'all were quiet before. I did not even really got to the bad part here. That you, Most of us face too many temptations and therefore sin too often. Because we don't ask God to lead us away from temptation. If you're taking notes at all, I want you to write this down. Our focus should be less on beating temptation and more on avoiding it. I'm going to say that one more time. Our focus should be less on beating temptation and more on avoiding it. Remember this part of the prayer we're talking about. That you would keep me from evil let's take it to the new testament what did jesus say jesus said what lead us not into temptation so we find here that our that our focus of prayer should not be oh lord just make me so strong make me so spiritually strong that no temptation will be i'll just crush it under my feet no God tells us multiple times in his word that our main focus of prayer should be, oh God, keep me away from it because I'm human and I'm frail and I'm fleshly and even with the help of God, if I'm not careful, if I dabble in it too much, then I'm prone to fall into it. Pray. And act. Somebody needs to hear me. Quit positioning yourself to fail. I know this prayer, Jabez, and you thought this was all going to be just how to get blessed and all this. This is taking a, a bad turn for some, probably. Pray and act. Quit positioning yourself to fail. How frustrating it is to me. As a pastor many times, and, and I watch people, 
I watch people position themselves to fail. You can put yourself into positions to fail. Jabez said that you would keep me from evil. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. So we find a very biblical precedence of trying to stay away from temptation. But we've taken on this modern mentality of, you know, we can do well. Praise God for grace. I can do what I want to do. And so now we've gotten to where we just want to flirt with sin so much. I'm, this is good preaching right here, I'm telling you. I got a, I got a series that I'm going to do before long on destruction and seduction, the battle for your soul. But I'm just hitting this high spot here and remind us that we have got to pray and say, Lord, keep me away from temptation. We must pray to be kept from the powerful pull of what feels right to us but is wrong. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We got a world today that is so full of people that say, well, I feel like I can do this. Well, I feel like this is all right. Well, I feel like that I can do it just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. And I've preached this up the hill on Wednesday night several times. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's not my feelings that determine what is right and wrong. It is this book right here that determines what is right and wrong. Now, don't leave too defeated. Stay away from temptation whenever possible. But never live in fear of defeat. Just pray like Jabez, Lord, keep me from evil. Lord, I believe you're going to keep me from it. But every once in a while, no matter how much we do try to avoid it, no matter how much that we pray every once in a while, just like Jesus was tempted, We are going to find ourselves face to face, unfortunately, sometimes with temptation. But remember what the book of Jude, verse 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, I've got a responsibility. I've got a responsibility to say, Lord, keep me from evil. Lead me not into temptation. I've got a responsibility to make sure that I'm not putting myself in the position to fail. But every once in a while, even when I'm diligent about those things, yes, I'm going to run smack dab into temptation. But it's in those moments where I grab a hold of Jude verse 24 and remember that I'm serving him that is able to keep me from falling that even when I do face those temptations I'm serving a risen Savior that will keep me from falling when I do face it come on and give God praise if you believe it sixth we find something we're going actually backwards to verse 9 in our text Number six, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now, I'm about to mess some of y'all up. 
Do you think, don't answer this out loud. I want you to think about this in your mind. Do you think God has favorites? Think about it. Because we do know and we believe that this is a whosoever gospel. We know that this tells us that God is no respecter of persons. However, this instance and others in Scripture seem to make this a legitimate question. Does God have favorites? You, you ready for this? I'm, I'm about to help you here. Jabez found out that equal access to God's favor does not add up to equal reward. Let me take you back just a few years, if you would. Y'all ready? Let's take a little trip back in time. The year is between 1999, 2002, Cleveland, Tennessee, Lee University, a much younger and fuller head of hair version of myself was there at Lee University. I had a roommate, and his name was Josh Whittington. And you know what his nickname was? We called him Peck Deck. Why did we call him Peck Deck? Well, you guessed it, because he worked out all the time, and his pecs were enormous. Stay with me here. Now, both of us, as students of Lee University, had equal access to the DeVos Recreation Center there on campus. Each of us had equal access. He didn't, there wasn't anybody saying, well, now Josh, you can go, you can come seven days a week, but Dennis, you can only come once. Each of us had, we both had equal access into the weight room at the DeVos Rec Center. Now, in college, I played a lot of basketball, and that kept this off of me. But I very rarely ever went into the weight room. And here's the deal. Nobody ever called me Peck Deck. So stay with me. Equal access doesn't add up to equal reward. Just like Josh did, I had the equal access. I could have went into that gym every time that he did. And put myself under that bench and benched and benched and benched and benched and grown my muscles as well. But I chose not to. Because equal access doesn't add up to equal reward. God favors those who ask. He holds nothing back from those who want and earnestly long for what he wants. More honorable, this little phrase here is not about arrogance or self-centeredness. It describes what God thinks. It is not credit that we take for ourselves. And it is not about trying to outdo somebody else because that's a carnal impulse. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize. See, God's favor is not about earthly gain, although many times it comes. God's favor is gained by seeking Him and His desires. We find one place in Scripture, a man named Abraham, who was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God, and he was blessed very much materially. But we find a man here named Paul that pressed toward the prize, but when you read about his life, he was a tent maker, but he had very little materially in his life. Winning honor nearly always means leaving mediocre expectations and comfortable assumptions behind. Hebrews chapter 11 is filled with ordinary people who had faith in an extraordinary 
miraculous God and stepped out on that faith. We find a man named Noah. There wasn't anything just too extraordinary about him, it would seem, except for the fact that what Hebrews 11 is about, he had faith. And he built a boat when it had never rained before. We go along and we find a man named Abraham who set out to wherever God told him to go. He said, Abraham, I want you to go to the land of Canaan. What did Abraham do? He did what his daddy wouldn't do. Study that sometime. Terah, God actually, when you study that, you find, I believe the Lord had spoken to Terah, but you know what? His daddy just didn't do it. I just need, I just feel this right now. I need somebody to hear me because so many times we've convinced ourselves that, you know, I just don't have the family heritage. I don't do it. You know, I'll never become nothing because my mom and my daddy, they didn't find, listen, Abraham is the father of the faithful and his daddy didn't have the faith that he did. I just need to tell you today, I don't care how little faith your granddaddy or your daddy had, it doesn't matter. You can be the one that will step up and say, I will follow God and listen to him come on give God praise this morning we find a woman named Sarah that restrained that she received strength to conceive a child at 90 years old I don't think we got is anybody nobody's 90 here it is I'm looking around I don't think anybody's now how many we got any 80 in your 80s anybody in your 80s 70s come on anybody in your 70s be honest come on 70 year old come on any of y'all 70 year old ladies y'all feeling like having a baby anytime soon Sarah received the strength to conceive a child at 90 years old. Rahab, y'all know her. She was a prostitute. But she some way, somehow listened to the voice of God and hid the spies and became the great, 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 I'm not going to put the right number of greats there, grandmother of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Gideon took 300 men and defeated an army of hundreds of thousands. Samson was given supernatural strength. David slayed a giant amongst all kinds of other things, becoming one of God's favorites. It's not about, oh, well, God loves any of those people any more than he did anybody else. No, it's about those people were willing to take advantage of that equal access and receive what God had for them. Just like I told you, just like my roommate, he chose to take equal access into that weight room and his muscles and his chest was huge because of that I did not but it wasn't because he had more access and that's why we find it folks you know we look around and we're like well is, is there favorites well you know it's not there is favorites but it's not because God loved them anymore it's because they chose to show up and be willing and say God whatever it is you want I'm willing I'm willing to, listen, I'm willing to have some crazy faith. It seems nuts, it seems crazy, but I'm willing to put my trust in you and say, Lord, whatever it is that you want, I'll do it. So I don't care who your daddy is or who your daddy isn't. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. It's not about that. It's about are you willing? We've all been given equal access into the throne. Are you willing? Are you willing to step into that and say, God, I'm willing. I want what you want for my life. I want to be one of his favorites, not just because I'm randomly picked, but because he loves me. Finally, as the team makes their way to the stage, 
we find this most important. We go back to the end again here of our two verses, the end of verse 10. So God granted him what he requested. He believed God would do these things. He asked God to do these things. I believe he took steps to make these things happen in his life. Because how many of you know the Bible said that faith without works is dead? And what happened? God granted his request. Hear your pastor this morning. Every single one of us have equal access. Doesn't matter where you're from, how much money you got, you don't got. Doesn't matter if you grew up in church or you grew up in a crack house. What matters is we all have equal access. And it's up to us what we're going to do with that access. Will we ask? Will we believe? Stand with me, please. Rachel, would you put those verses back up there, our text, if you would. find that he said in this Jabez called on the name of his God saying oh that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain so God granted him what he requested my call this morning is simple is this your desire is this the kind of life you want say Lord I want you to I want you to bless me indeed enlarge my territory and when you do I'm going to have to have your hand with me and I'm also going to need you to keep me from evil Lead me not into temptation that I might not cause pain. And I'm telling you, do you want to become one of God's favorites? You can. I'm telling every person under the sound of my voice that you can become one of God's favorites. It's not about that he randomly picks somebody out and says, you know, I want them to be my favorite because I like their hair or their shoes or maybe their lack of hair. Nope. It's all about we've all been given equal access. Will we take advantage of it this morning? If you're here and you say, Pastor, that's my prayer. That's my prayer. 
I want that to be part of my life. Rachel, if you could just pull that up on the scripture, First Chronicles chapter four, verse ten, and have that on the screen. If that's you, if that's you, and you say that's what I want, that's what I want. I want you to come. You can come kneel. You can come stand. But if you say that's that's what I want. I want the Lord to bless me indeed. I want him to enlarge my territory. I want his hand to be with me. I want him to keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. And I believe that God will grant it. Would you come now? Would you do that? If you say, that's what I want. That's my desire for my life. That's my desire for my family. Would you step out right now as they begin to come? And just begin to pray this. I'm going to have it on the screen for you there. I want it to be up there. I want you to see it there. I want you to pray it, oh, Lord, that you'd bless me indeed, that you'd enlarge my territory, that you, your hand be, would be with me, that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. Oh, Jesus, we pray it. Come on, just find your place. You can stand, you can see it, you can kneel, whatever you feel comfortable. But I want you to just come and find a place right now. In Jesus' mighty name, would you do that? Would you do that? Would you find you a place right here, right now, and say, Lord, that's the desire of my heart. That's what I want. And just pray this in your own way. Just begin to pray it in your own way and ask him. Come on, open up your mouth and ask him this morning. Say, that's what I want, Lord. That's what I want, Lord. I want it. I want it. Yes. She come on, verse 10. Put it up there if you would. Verse 10 up there. Yes, Lord, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge. It was there and it's gone. Enlarge my territory. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all sing. Help me out. Hallelujah. Lord, Hallelujah. You yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Keep yes, you. Jesus. Hallelujah. Make his face yes, shine. Lord.